What a lively bunch. This is great. Uh, I don't want to cut you short, but I see Pastor Evan has sat down, so uh, that must be the signal. You know, I really enjoy Pastor Evans' messages. Evans, I can say that better. I really enjoy Pastor Evans' messages. Uh, they really speak to my heart, and I enjoy them so much that when I see somebody else up here going to speak, I do this little, oh. And so if you're feeling the inclination to do the, you know, let's just do it. Okay. Here we go. Vocal, uh, on one, two, three. One, two, three. Uh. Very good. I thought we were going to have to practice it and then do it. But uh, I feel like that God has given me a message to bring today that can encourage and build up the body of Christ, though. And I'm really excited to be able to do this. Um, Our focus this month is on prayer, so I'm going to talk about prayer this morning. And uh, I do not come to you as a mighty prayer warrior with an amazing prayer life, but I simply as a follower of Jesus Christ who walks and talks with him. Now, as most of you know, I'm divorced and remarried. My first marriage lasted 23 years, and I never wanted that divorce. For the last 15 years of that marriage, I did everything I could think of, including crying out to God to make that marriage work. The warm fuzzies I felt in the early years of that marriage were replaced with a grim determination to not let it fail, but it did. So what happened to all those prayers that I offered up in regard to our former marriage? Hopefully we can answer that and a few other questions today as we look into Scripture. Now, our text for today uh, has already been read, and I'm not going to reread it, uh, a long story, but very dramatic about a young man who was demon-possessed and had the spirit cast out. But before we talk about that specific story, I'd like to uh, give a shout-out to my Sunday school class, because we've been going through the book of Mark, and a lot of the thoughts uh, and ideas I'd like to present this morning came out of that class, so thank you all. And... If you were in that class, listen anyway. Okay. In our study through the book of Mark, we've encountered two kingdoms. First, there is the earthly, or one might say the physical kingdom. And then there is the heavenly kingdom, or spiritual kingdom, that Christ is introducing at that time through his teachings. The earthly kingdom is concerned with earthly matters. For instance, the Old Testament scripture had promised that a Messiah would come, and religious Jews were looking for that Savior, one who would be a mighty military leader and reestablish the kingdom of Israel as a world power, a physical presence here on earth. In the earthly kingdom, there are three forces of darkness that are at work. Three forces of darkness. Now, I wanted to refer to these as the three enemigos, but my Spanish professor wife said I shouldn't. So has, has that changed? No, that's still a no-go. Not, not the three enemigos. Uh, anyhow, as saints of God, we live in the earthly kingdom and we do battle with these three forces daily. The heavenly kingdom that Christ introduces in the Gospels is the kingdom that he has come to establish. It is the kingdom where the will of God and the Spirit of Christ are at work. 
The message that Jesus delivered and lived out was of a Messiah who would willingly give up his life on the cross for our ultimate spiritual salvation. This message was a stumbling block for those who were caught in earthly kingdom thinking and failed to comprehend or believe in the establishment of a spiritual kingdom. Now, in the history of the church, there have been those who have treated the two kingdoms as opposing forces. Believing that anything of the flesh or the world was evil, they would isolate themselves and practice the extreme forms of asceticism, such as self-denial and flagellation. But the two kingdoms are not opposite. The earthly kingdom is a physical world we're living in, and we can't escape it through self-denial. The heavenly kingdom is what we are welcomed into through Christ. It transcends the earthly kingdom. Uh, This morning, leading up to the the text that was read, uh, Jesus, well, in the the start of the book of Mark, Jesus begins his ministry, uh, for lack of better words, as party Jesus. He's changing water into wine, he's feeding the masses, he's healing the sick, and he's driving out demons. And these are all wonderful things and important in that they fulfill uh, the prophecy of the coming Messiah. But they are more earthly kingdom related and not ultimately the reason why Christ came. They're temporal and not eternal. They're signs in the earthly kingdom that point us to the heavenly kingdom. So in chapter 8, after Peter's great confession, he says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. When Jesus starts to talk about heavenly kingdom stuff, he starts to talk about his death and resurrection. Peter shows his lack of understanding regarding the heavenly kingdom by rebuking Jesus. And what was Jesus' response? Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but earthly human things, earthly kingdom thinking. Here we see Christ defining the heavenly kingdom as things of God and the earthly kingdom as human things. Moving on to the first part of chapter 9, we have the transfiguration. Jesus representing the new covenant, meeting with Moses and Elijah, who represent the old covenant and the prophets who prophesied of the coming Messiah. Peter, James, and John were there, and they witnessed it, but they did not understand what they were seeing. This was so aptly demonstrated once again by Peter, who said, It's a good thing we're here. Let's build three shelters, one for each of you. He'd just seen Christ meeting with these other two important historical figures, and here he was in kingdom, or heavenly, earthly kingdom thinking. And at that time, God addresses them, and he says, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. If only they could have dropped their preconceived of earthly kingdom ideas, they would have heard and understood the spiritual message that he was conveying. This brings us to our story. We have a crowd of people and teachers of the law arguing with the remaining disciples. A man has brought his demon-possessed son to the disciples, and they had tried to cast the evil spirit out, but they could not. Now, if you go back to the chapter 6 in Mark, we see that Christ gathered the disciples together, and he sent them out with the power to over evil spirits to cast them out, and they returned rejoicing. But from that mountaintop spiritual experience, they've apparently descended back into earthly kingdom thinking. And because of their weakness, 
the father of the demon-possessed son is starting to lose faith. The man said to Jesus, If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. To which Jesus responds, If I can, everything is possible for him who believes. And the man responds, I do believe, help my unbelief. Or I might paraphrase it, I do believe, open my spiritual eyes that I might believe even more. A phrase that we all could use. Jesus casts out the evil spirit, and when the disciples want to know why they could not, he tells them, this kind can come out only by prayer. This kind can come out only by prayer. So continuing on in chapter 9, the disciples get an argument over which one of them will be the greatest. Once again, they're thinking earthly kingdom stuff. And Christ tells them, if anyone wants to be first, he must be last, a servant of all. Heavenly kingdom thinking. And going on, he talks about the children, how the kingdom of heaven will belong to people like them, people with simple faith that can imagine a kingdom not of this world. So I think you're getting the picture now. Two kingdoms, kingdom of God and human kingdom. Just as Christ's ministry became more and more about the ultimate will of God, we were not redeemed and brought into the heavenly kingdom to continue to struggle in an exclusively earthly kingdom world. Through the resurrected life of Jesus Christ in us, he has elevated us to the heavenly kingdom. Praise his name. So let's talk a little about how prayer relates to the two kingdoms. I see two types of prayer being offered. First, I see praying out of our human need, human things. And secondly, praying the will of God or things of God. When we pray out of our needs, so often our prayer revolves around earthly kingdom stuff. It's the give us this day our daily bread part of the model prayer. A lot of my personal prayer life has been conducted here. For about a year's time after I went through the divorce, I spent a lot of time talking to God about my situation. I'd go out on lunch hours and walk and, and talk to him about it. Sometimes I'd cry. Other people that were driving by or saw me walking uh, would wonder if I was losing my mind or if I was having a nervous breakdown. But it didn't matter. I just needed to know that God cared. I needed to know that he understood. God heard those prayers, and eventually that heavy wave of depression lifted. Every week, I go to work as a computer software engineer, and I'm not very good, about, I'm not very good at my job. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Uh, <laughs> I used to be. But software and technology changes so rapidly, I'm just having a hard time keeping up. Fortunately, my God is a very good programmer. And I talk to him about my work all the time. I couldn't do it without him, and he's the reason that I have success at my job. Now please understand, because these things are important to me, his child, they are also important to my Father in heaven. They bring healing and success to my life, but they do very little towards establishing his kingdom. I believe that after we've talked to him about what is good in our world, or what is going on in our world, God wants 
our prayers to transcend beyond our own earthly day-to-day issues to the important work of his spiritual kingdom. If my daily conversations with my wife were nothing but I need, I need, I believe that she would tire of me very rapidly. Instead, in my conversations with her, I want to be a student of her so I can know more about her and what her heart is like. I want to go beyond what are you making me for supper to deeper matters. The same is true in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. He wants our relationship to grow beyond the earthly kingdom stuff. So what does prayer in the spiritual kingdom look like? It is praying in cooperation with the will of God. It's the thy kingdom come, thy will be done part of the model prayer. I'd like to give you an example that's been really helpful for me in thinking about prayer. Think of God like a uh, God's will. Think of God's will like a powerful locomotive. Okay, God's will is a powerful locomotive. It it can do amazing things. It can pull hundreds of railroad cars if it has tracks to run on. Think of the tracks that it runs on as the prayers of the saints. We have a powerful locomotive, God's will. It does nothing unless it has the tracks, the prayers of the saints to run on. The will of God is a powerful force, and it's released to do its work by our prayers. If tracks aren't laid, the locomotive's not going anywhere. This illustration helps us to see how important our prayers are. From God comes the initial thought or idea. As we seek his heart, he reveals his will to us. We're able to pray the will of God, and then he moves to complete his will. It just strikes me, what an amazing miracle that prayer is. I mean, why would God refuse to drive a demon out of a poor little tormented boy unless his disciples approached it in the power of prayer? Why would God wait to accomplish his will until the saints discern what it is and speak it into existence? I don't know why he chooses to work this way. I don't know why he involves us so in his master plan, except that his love for us is so great, he wants to do it with us. His love for us is so great, he wants to do it with us. It's kind of like when we do projects with our little kids. Okay, all you parents with little kids out there, this is your moment. Uh, You know it takes twice as long and it makes twice the mess, right? If you're doing that project with little kids. Uh, Yes, it would have been easier to just do it ourselves, but we love them and we want to share the experience with them. It helps them grow and feel a part of what has been accomplished. Maybe that is why Christ was so adamant about bring the little children to me and do not refuse them, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Through the process of prayer, he is welcoming us, his little children, to his side to accomplish the will of God. Now, I shared a little of my earthly kingdom prayer experience, how it was so much about myself and my own need at the time. Uh, Let's explore a little bit about what spiritual kingdom praying might look like. If we search through Scripture, we can find what fits with this kind of praying. Some examples uh, I'm going to give you here 
Kingdom prayers. Kingdom prayers are prayers for non-believers and their salvation. In 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord, it's, uh, Peter wrote, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some count slowness. But he's patient towards you, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. When we pray for someone's salvation, we are always praying the will of God. It's what he does. He saves. Kingdom prayers are prayers for other believers as they live out their lives as a witness to Christ. In Ephesians 6, 18 through 20, the Apostle Paul instructs us, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, word may be given me so that I may fearlessly make known the the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I would declare it fearlessly as I should. Now there's a, there's a young couple in this church that uh, I love very dearly. And I know that they both have uh, very stressful, demanding jobs that wear them down. The world system beats them up on a weekly basis. But through prayer, I'm able to lay those spiritual tracks for them so that God's will can be done in their lives. I can pray against the things that the enemy is using to wear them down. I can pray that they would rise up on wings like eagles and run and not grow weary, that they would walk and not faint, that they would remember to go to the Savior, that he might give them rest. I find myself routinely praying for my sons and daughters, that they will find favor in their employer's eyes, in their teacher's eyes, and that God would bless the work of their hands. I pray that they would be willing to stand for what is right, no matter what the cost, and that they would experience a relationship with Christ that would far exceed my own. I really want that for them. Kingdom prayers are prayers for the church. In Philippians 1.9, Paul prayed, this prayer for the saints. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We can pray for love and unity in this church that would further the kingdom of God. We can pray that believers grow to maturity in Christ and come to understand the fullness of their salvation in Him. We can pray that we are led to the lost who are ready to hear and that we are able to effectively communicate the message of salvation to them, that they might be saved. Kingdom prayers are prayers for Christ's return. In Revelations chapter 7, the Apostle John describes an amazing scene of great multitudes from every tribe, tongue, and nation gathered before the throne of God to worship Him. A beautiful scene. I want you all to be there. In Revelations 22, he concludes the book with, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And we can pray for the gospel to go out to every tribe, tongue, and nation so that Christ can return. We can pray that God would send a mighty revival across the earth Spencer and Diane shared a little bit in Sunday school this morning how God's 
Spirit is, is mightily at work in parts of China that it never has been before. And we can pray for that revival to spread through the whole earth. Pray that we would be found faithful at his coming, that we would not fall away. I fear that like the disciples, we spend far too little time living out the heavenly kingdom in our lives. I've noticed in my own life that I can get so distracted and beat down by earthly kingdom stuff that days can go by without stopping to think about how spiritually alert I am. What's going on in the lives of those around me? Like the disciples, I find myself totally lacking spiritual awareness. And I have another confession to make to you. I've spent most of my life praying for things I already had. That's right. I spent most of my life praying for things I already had. I would pray, Oh Lord, please help me to be wise, to be strong, to be more loving. Such prayers demonstrated that, like the disciples, I did not understand the completeness of my salvation in Christ. But in the last couple of years, I've gone from asking to rejoicing in what God has already provided in Christ. So now I can pray, Lord, I thank you that the Spirit of Christ in me is wise, that he is strong, that because of him I am loving, I am the person you made me to be. I am at peace and not anxious. Those things have already been given me through the finished work of Christ and the full salvation that he has graciously extended to me. Now, some of you know uh, Tori, our student from Wesleyan, uh, that attends here. And last Sunday, after our listening session on Sunday morning uh, Sunday school, we were talking about it over lunch, and she pointed out that earthly kingdom thinking can get caught up in what I am getting from this. What I am getting from this. She mentioned that we also need to ask, what is God saying or doing, and how should I respond to him? The disciples demonstrated the all-about-me focus when they got into arguments about who would be the greatest. But the spiritual kingdom focuses on the will of God and where he is at work and how I can participate with him. Now, I sense an incredible time of growth, both physical and spiritual, coming to the body of Christ here at First Covenant. It's coming. I'm excited about it. Spiritual kingdom thinking enables me to pray, Lord, thank you for pouring out your spirit on your body in this place. Please show me how I fit in with what you're doing and how I can get involved. As we saw in the story, earthly kingdom thinking can cause us to focus on people as the problem. But in the spiritual kingdom, we can see beyond people as the problem. When the man brought his demon-possessed son to the disciples... His son was not the problem. It was the enemy's attack upon his son that was the problem. And in the same way, Satan in his world system seeks to destroy people. He prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. There are lies, deception, temptation, discouragement, manipulation, and the constant wearing down of our friends and loved ones by the worldly system. Doesn't it make you angry? the attacks upon your loved ones? It does me. 
Prayers are needed not so much for the actions of people, but against the actions of the enemy. How he has taken people captive to do his will. How he has deceived them into believing and acting on things that are not true. How he tempts them to fulfill their weak, unsatisfied flesh. How he casts a net of discouragement and fatigue over them. Fortunately, in the power of Jesus Christ, we can pray against those forces of darkness that they would be defeated by the blood of Jesus Christ. And praise God, he is greater than all of those. We can successfully participate in spiritual warfare for our relatives, friends, neighbors, and fellow church members. And one thing that I didn't understand for a long time, earthly kingdom thinking may cause us to think that God should manipulate people to pray that God would make someone think or do something that I think they should. But I found that we cannot use prayer to make God manipulate people like pulling the strings of a marionette. He will allow circumstances to come into their lives to show them their path of death, but he also gives them free will to ultimately choose the direction they will take. If God did not give mankind free choice, how would he ever experience our love? It is only through free will that we can truly love Christ. But in the same way we choose to love him, we can also choose to go our own way. When my first marriage failed, it was not because God did not act in regard to my prayers. Throughout those 15 years, I have a lot of examples of very specific answers to prayers that I'd offered up. But in the end, my first wife still had the choice of whether to remain in the marriage or not. She had a choice. People may not choose to do what we'd hope they will, but that does not mean that God has abandoned us, that he failed to respond to our prayers. Now, hopefully this morning, I've given you some new ideas for prayer to consider. When you pray... Pray in a spirit of thanksgiving for what Christ has already given us. Pray for salvation. Pray for salvation for the lost. Pray for daily salvation for our fellow believers and family and loved ones from the forces of darkness. And pray that God's kingdom would come, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'd like to offer an invitation to you this morning. This morning, if you're feeling trapped in the earthly kingdom, if you're feeling defeated, if you're not experiencing victory in your spiritual life, if you're tired of faithless prayerlessness, I offer you hope in Jesus Christ. Get alone with him. Tell him you're sick of who you are. Thank him for his sacrifice on the cross that provided you a way out. And rejoice that he took you with him to that cross, freeing you from the power of sin, elevating you to a new spiritual kingdom of light, love, hope, faith, and joy. And praise his spirit that now lives in you, enabling you to understand the will of God and pray it into existence. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just rejoice in what you've given me how you went to the cross and died to set me free from the power of sin, 
to usher me into your kingdom of light, love, hope, peace, and joy. Thank you for empowering us to live the life that you've called us to. And thank you for sharing this experience with us by allowing us to pray to you that your will would be done. I just want to lift up the words that I've said, and I pray that they would be helpful, beneficial for this congregation. I pray that a spirit of prayer would permeate our daily existence and that we would see your mighty work right here in our church. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.